All right, are you ready for the word this morning? Father, thank you for the four people that are super excited <laughs> about the word. Lord, stir, stir our hearts as we jump in, Lord, as spiritual family uh, to know you. And Lord, if we get there to know your work and your mission, we love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. You are our everything. And we now, Lord, just open the soil of our heart that we're good soil. Lord, that we're able to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that we can receive what you want to say by the Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our series this morning on the centrality of Jesus. We're talking about the necessity of Jesus Christ being the foundation of our individual lives, our homes, our families, certainly our church, our relationships outside of church. How many of you know Jesus needs to be Lord and be the foundation of your relationships outside of church? It should not be that they're surprised when you tell them that you do go to church <laughs> and that you love the Lord with all your heart. <laughs> But not only outside of church, but every aspect within the church, Jesus Christ is the foundation of students of grace, kids of grace, outreaches we do, outreach teams, community events, uh, outreaches to the school, our connection teams on Sunday morning, our board of directors, our elders. Jesus Christ is to be the foundation of every single aspect of who we are and what we do as a church. We are in the midst of a very prayerful and careful refining, a retooling, a refocusing, if you will. This is part of what I was saying earlier. Those who have ears to hear in this season, the Lord is calling us back to Himself. He needs to be our priority. He needs to be first place in our hearts, in our lives, in our, again, prioritizing of what we give our time and our life uh, etc. too. Uh, we're in a, I, I will say this, if you're fairly new to grace, you've picked a great time to come. Maybe today's your first time. You picked a great time to come because of what I just said. We're in a very prayerful and careful refining, a retooling. We are going back to the basics, back to setting Jesus Christ as the foundation of everything that we are, uh, everything we do, and everywhere we go from here. We are in a culture war in the United States. And it's not Republican versus Democrat. It's not left versus right wing. The culture war is between what the world says is good and what our God says is good. Way more deceptive than good versus evil. It's what the world says is good and what God says is good. The war is between what the world says a Christian actually is. Two-thirds of this country claim to be Christian. Two-thirds! And I have to wonder, when the outside world watches us through our election cycle, they have to, they have to just think, really? These people are full, two-thirds of this country are full of the life of Jesus Christ, just baptized in His Spirit and madly in love with Him. Two-thirds of the country claim to be Christian. So I'm going to say again, the culture war is between this cultural version of Christianity and what a real, biblical, Christ-follower, God-loving, God-fearing person really is. Our culture says, well, I'm a Christian because I was born in America. Uh, I'm a Christian because I believe that Jesus was a real person and, uh, and He rose from the dead. Hey, even the demons believe. 
because it's a fact. I'm a Christian because I go to church. I'm a Christian because I do good things. Or how about this one? This is the number one answer on college campuses. My good outweighs my bad. I do more good than bad. That's an insult to the living God who came here and died for the remission of our sins. There is no way you're going to get to heaven or get intimacy with Jesus Christ, a relationship with the living God through your good works. That's insulting. The moment he stepped foot on this planet was the moment you should have humbled yourself and acknowledged that clearly I'm not going to be able to save myself. Clearly I need a Savior. Clearly I need an intervention and the Son of God is here to do it. So true disciples of Jesus have Him as the foundation of their life. They have actually given their lives. Real disciples, followers of Jesus, which is biblical in the New Testament, give their lives to knowing His person, knowing His work, knowing His uh, his teaching and obeying it, knowing His authority and knowing His voice. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. See, we're all building on something. And the Lord's asking, take inventory. What are you building your life on? What's your home and family centered on? According to the grace of God, which was given to me, this is 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, another's building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds. Be careful how you build, be careful on whom you build, and on what you build. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We do not want you at Grace Church to simply be aware of this idea of knowing Jesus. We don't want you to just even ponder the idea. Hmm, knowing Jesus. Brother Steve talks about that a lot. Or even value. I value knowing Jesus. And I value this idea of knowing Him so much, I really wish my spouse or my neighbor would value it. I wish somebody else, that guy at work who rubs me the wrong way, I really wish he would figure out uh, who this Jesus person is. So the big jump is aware, ponder, value, then prioritize. Now we're talking, we're, we're doing what? We're actually putting action to our value. I don't just intellectually value the idea of knowing Jesus, pursuing him. I'm going to order my life and my schedule around knowing him. And number five, ownership. I have given my life. I have become one with Christ. I've given my life to him. Everything is ordered around him. So if you're here today and you're indifferent about this Jesus, you may get you may get tired of hearing us talk about Him. But <laughs> seeing how we are a Christ-centered church, I, I think most of the body of Christ should be talking about Christ. Amen. There's a return to Christology or Christology, whichever version of that word you like. But it's the study of the person of Jesus, His divine nature, His role, His mission of why He came. See, too many people see Jesus as just the one they prayed to that got them into heaven. He's their ticket to heaven. Yes, Jesus, He's the one who died and rose again. What if I told you He's alive in the present tense, that you can know Him by the Spirit? Did you know that Jesus even said of this, of the scripture, of the scripture, he said in John 5, 39 and 40, you pour over the scripture because you think in it you have eternal life, yet you won't come to me. So he is the living word. This written word, the purpose of it is to bring you to the living word. 
And once you go to the living word and begin a relationship with the living word, he'll take you back to the written word and your revelation will explode because he's the one who wrote it. So we're returning to him. He's much more than our ticket to heaven. Oh, he's the one that died for us. Good for him. We want you to know the person of Jesus. Know him as your source every day. We want you to know Jesus as your righteousness. That there, there is no righteousness apart from him. You, you cannot fall for this idea that, well, I can have a relationship with God. I can go to heaven when I die because my good outweighs my bad. You're either righteous in Christ or you have none. Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And according to the flesh, according to man's willpower and discipline, the scribes and Pharisees were way less worldly than we are. So how can our righteousness surpass them? That it comes through the one and only Son of God. That's how we were made right. It doesn't come from outward performance. We want you to know him as the one who called you, the one who's your advocate before all of, uh, all of heaven, before the accuser of the brethren even. He is your advocate. We want you to know Jesus as your strength. We want you to know Jesus as the one whose very life indwells you. We want you to know him as Savior, yes, but also as Lord. If Jesus is Lord of your life, he's not just resident somewhere tucked away. He's president. He's president of your life. He, he's the final decision maker. He's the CEO of what's going on in your life. Amen. This is not, hey, uh, Jesus, I think I'll do this over here. And uh, will you bless what I'm doing? No, Lord, I'm surrendered to you. I don't want you just resident. I want you present. And I want you president in everything I do. So he wants to be Lord. How about best friend? We want Jesus Christ to be your best friend your master, your teacher. And because of all this, he's given us five life-altering decisions. Everybody say life-altering. Life-altering decisions for us to walk out as disciples. Because we are not church members. That is not in the Bible. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors of his kingdom. So here's, here's what we uh, have decided from the Lord This is how we lay him as the foundation of our life, home and family, grace, church and beyond. Number one, know who he is. Know his person. I'm going to commit to that. What am I going to do? I'm going to order my life around knowing his person. I'm going to get into the scriptures. I'm going to sit with Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to spend time with him so I can know who he is. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. When you went to school, you knew about George Washington, but you never met him. And much of the church knows about him from a book and they don't know him as the living, risen life on the inside of them. And that is why he came. The cross is only half the gospel. I love that you shout and celebrate about his life, death, and resurrection. But the fourth component is the whole reason he came so that the spirit of of God could now take up residence inside of you. And live there intimately, triumphantly. And he didn't come in you to be tucked away in a corner somewhere. He's, he's not there to spectate. He's there to lead you, lord you. So we commit to know his work, his mission, and why he came. We commit to know and obey his teaching. Know his authority and know his voice. These are five life-altering decisions that he's asking us to walk out. Two weeks ago, before we had the snow out last Sunday... 
My, you go back, I mean, two ice storms. And then it was like living in Antarctica for 10 days. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy stuff going on. If you're not right with God, get right with God. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> right? I, mean, I assume you're laughing because you agree with me. There's crazy stuff going on. We have a pandemic going on. Just birth pains. Read Matthew 24. Just the beginning of birth pains. The beginning of uncomfortableness. So you better re- be rooted and grounded uh, in Him. But two, two Sundays ago, we sat with the Lord. We took 30 seconds. I know it's not very long, but do you remember the question I asked you to ask Him? Lord, if I were to order my life around knowing You, what would that look like? And then whatever he asked you to do, obey him. Okay, so if you have forgotten from two weeks ago, I'm I'm encouraging you to do that. Sit with him and say, Lord, if I really were to order my life, give my life to knowing you and your person, what would that look like? I think you'll see some things shift in where you spend your time and what your priorities are. We also talked about this. How do we get to know His person? The gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit inside of you testifies of Jesus. Abiding, John 15, 4 and 5. You just live connected to Him all day long. Amen? Stuck in traffic? Include Him. If you think you're going to get fired, include Him before you go in there. Sitting in Scripture with the author. He wrote it. Utilizing prayer as a place of intimacy. How about that? Prayer as a place of relationship, surrender, and alignment with Him. And then commit to be around other Jesus people, other followers of Christ. These are all shifts in our mindset because He's inviting us to align. Annie Lahan had the word that the Lord has released. About a month ago, the Lord's released this drum. You know, He's beating the drum, inviting uh, the body of Christ to align with his rhythm. We cannot continue to just do whatever. Sometimes we just do stuff because we do stuff. Even churches do stuff because they do stuff. Right. No more. Everything we do is centered and aligned with him and his will, what he wants. He is Lord. He is Lord. He's our leader. He's our life. He is our everything. We're giving everything we are to him in the advancement of his kingdom. And then there was a woman in the UK recently who had a vision, open vision of a giant guitar and the Lord's finger was strumming one finger, one note over and over again. And the word of the Lord to her was the Lord has released a sound. He's released a rhythm. He's inviting the body of Christ to align with him. Aren't you glad he's merciful? He doesn't want us to miss it. He's asking us. He's inviting us to align with him. So these are shifts in mindset. Look at this one. I told you we're not church members. Here's the difference between a church member focus and a real disciple focus. Church members, it's ministry for Jesus. Disciples know it's intimacy with Jesus. That's why there's so much burnout in the church. Everybody ran out ministering for Him. If you get the first thing wrong, everything that comes out of it will be wrong. God loves you more than what you do for Him. Go sit with Him. Go fall in love with Him. And in His due time, He'll partner with you to work the works of God. Church member focus, attendance. Yay, I attend church. Disciple of Jesus, heartfelt obedience. 
I love that. Attendance isn't enough, Lord. I want to obey you. Sunday is the Lord's versus every day is the Lord's. Church is an organization. No, church is an organism. It's a living, breathing organism. Church members unite around a meeting. Disciples unite around the mission of Jesus. How many of you know a meeting happens one day a week? The mission of Jesus is all day, every day. We're participating with Him all day, every day. We're united around His mission, His cause. Church member, form of godliness. Disciple, power of the Holy Spirit. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Consumer-driven, me first. Feed me, care for me, take care of me, do what I want. Disciple of Jesus cares about developing others. How can we help further the gospel? How can we further intimacy in other people's lives? Church member, going to heaven, disciple of Jesus, extending heaven (laughs) into the earth. Yes, Lord. So I want us to get into the works of Jesus today. But before I do, I want to leave you with some things on his person. I want you to remember that he is God. Jesus Christ is God. Young people, Jesus is not just another religion. Young people are fed up with religion and thank God. The reason so few of them come to Christ is because they have seen modeled, not just taught, they've seen modeled that Christianity is just another religious choice. I'm telling you, Christ is not a religious figure. He is the one true God in the flesh. That's who Jesus Christ is. He's not a religious choice we make. He is the living God, the one true God. Jesus existed before He came to you on mission. His life didn't begin in a manger. Are you hearing me? He is a living God made flesh, so to know His person is to know that He is God. I encourage you, start going through Scripture. You want to know His person? Find out all His names. Lion of the tribe of Judah, Alpha and Omega, the bread of life. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the door. He's the way, the truth, the life. He's our good shepherd. He is our great high priest. He is Emmanuel. God is with us. He's the Lamb of God. He's the light of the world. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Begin to find Him. Find His person. Find His descriptions all throughout Scripture. Most all the descriptions do describe uh, his his mission, his ministry, why he came, like the way, the truth, and the life. But in Matthew 11, he says of himself that he is humble. Right? He says he's humble, and I think meek is the other word. It's escaping me for some reason. But it's Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. So does everybody understand that when we're knowing the person of Jesus, you have to, there's got to be some awe and reverence here because he is God. The carpenter suit and the manger, don't let that fool you. Because God, he is fully God and fully man at the same time. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, New Living Translation. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Aren't you glad? If when I see Him, I can see God, I'm grateful for that because I never saw Jesus put cancer on anybody. I never saw Jesus put diabetes on people. I saw Him come and seek and save the broken. Reach out to the woman caught in adultery. Amen, somebody. He didn't come to bury and destroy all the sinners. He came to save them. 
And He is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. He is supreme over all of creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and earth. Man created religion. He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and what? For Him. That's why when you receive Him, it's homecoming. You're made for Him. 98% of America believes in the existence of a God. So they, they believe that they were made by God. But how many of them know they're made for Him? That He is their, He is their native land. He existed before anything else. He said it again. He holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church which is His body. He's the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. Do you see how the church in the West, we've lost our way and we, we made everything so consumer-driven, we just started preaching on things that would appeal to people because we thought our value and significance was about how many people you had. Nickels, noses, numbers, whatever. And you try to appeal to the masses. If you want to be relevant to people, preach Jesus Christ because they're made for Him. They're not made for lattes, smoke machines, and entertainment. Amen. They're made to know Him. That's why any person who gets born again, you've ever seen somebody receive Christ, they don't kick rocks and say, this is the worst day I've ever had in my life. It's a homecoming. So He's the head of the church. He's the beginning. He's supreme over all who rise from the dead. He's first in everything. For God in all of His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Boy, isn't that powerful? That's Colossians 1, 15 through 20. New Living Translation. My favorite one is probably the Amplified Classic. But it's a little bit long, so I didn't throw it up there. Look at John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. He can't be talking about a book. He just said Him. The Word is a Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. I'm going to say it again. Jesus' life did not begin in the manger, people. He is God You want to know His person, know Him as God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 17, 5, And now, O Father, Jesus is praying, Glorify me together with Yourself, with the glory which I had with You before the world even was. Wow. We undersell who He is. Do you see the difference between this revelation and, oh yeah, Jesus is the one. He's my ticket to heaven. He died for me so that when I'm dead, I can go to heaven. Until then, I'll be a good little church member. No, he wants to, he wants to rule you. He wants to govern you. He wants to be your life. John 8, 52 through 59. Come on, Holy Ghost. All right, well, if you guys can help me in the back, it's my iPad is malfunctioning. Thank you. Then the Jews said to Jesus, Now we know you have a demon. 
Abraham is dead. And the prophets say, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who's dead and the prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Let's see if I can get this to work. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say he's your God. Yet you don't know him, but I know him. And if I say I don't know him, I'll be a liar like you. (laughs) But I do know him and I what? I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. How about that? Next verse. And the Jews said, you are not 50 years old. You have seen Abraham. Jesus said, truly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. He literally says right here, I am Yahweh. He took the Hebrew name for God and said, I'm him. Woo, I've got goosebumps. Jesus is God. You want to know his person? Know him as God. Have some respect for him. Begin to discover who he really is. Verse 59, so they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So why did they want to stone him? Blasphemy. He was making himself out to be God. He is not a religious figure. He is the living God. He is the living God. Disciples of Jesus live their life to know who he is. I order my life. I give my life to knowing Jesus Christ. This is eternal life. John 17, 3, Jesus said that they know you, the one only true, true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You see the difference? All right, let's go to the next one. Know his work. We're going to commit to know his mission and know what he came to accomplish. When we don't know the work of Christ when we don't really know what he accomplished, we struggle to live intimately with him. We struggle to live intimately with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I would dare say that in our country, with two-thirds of us saying we are Christian, there are a vast number of those people who do not understand what Jesus actually accomplished on our behalf. He is God. So I think if he comes here on mission... He's going to get done what he needs to get done. Is that fair? When we don't know the work of Christ, we struggle to live intimately in a living relationship with the living God and His living Word. And we struggle to minister effectively to other people because we don't know who we are. How many of you think the Lord is interested in intimacy and ministry? Yeah. He he wants a balance of both. But you got to get intimacy first. You've got to know Him, be walking with Him, talking with Him, hearing His voice, knowing His voice, and out of that, ministry is born. Just supernaturally. You don't even work at it. Just abide in me, and He said, you'll bear much fruit. And the church ran out and said, let's bear fruit. The law of life is receptivity precedes productivity. Doesn't a, doesn't a seed have to go into the ground and receive the nutrients of the soil, the sunlight, and the water before it blooms? So the seed receives before it produces. Yeah, it dies, and then life springs up out of death. It can't just be all about the king. He also cares about the extending of the kingdom. John seventeen three that we know him, but what about Genesis one twenty eight? 
Why do we exist on this planet? Sure, it's to know Him. But Genesis 1.28, He said, Go be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. Do you realize that God created the earth to colonize it with His children that look like Him? That's why He made the earth. That's why the war is over whose expression, whose nature is going to be seen through the humans. The ones who've been given dominion in the earth. Is it going to be selfishness? Is it going to be Lucifer, his nature, or is it going to be God's? So this whole war on this planet is over whose nature is going to be expressed. And the beauty of what Jesus did is you can't show forth God without God. So he died on the cross and put what inside of you? The Spirit of God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come unto me. And then Matthew 28, 18, He said, go, go disciple. So He cares about both. Just don't get the cart before the horse. If you don't understand the work of Christ and what He accomplished, you'll start bowing to sickness. If you don't understand the work of Christ that He revealed who God is, you might actually think God put sickness on you. Nowhere in Scripture did Jesus inflict sickness on anybody. He did just the opposite. So don't bow to sickness. Don't bow to sin. Don't bow to old identities. Don't bow to deception. Hosea 4, 6, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So the truth sets a man free. Knowing the truth, excuse me, sets a man free. Believing a lie sets you in bondage. So it's very important that you're familiar with the truth of what he did and what he accomplished. If we are Jesus' people and we are Jesus' people, then we must know what he came to do. And we must know what he came to to do and the success that he had in accomplishing his mission. This makes sense to you. So we commit to know his person. And now we also, Lord, we want to sit in Scripture with you and Begin to know your mission. I want to know why you came. Let's look at this one. The first reason Jesus came is to reintroduce the kingdom of God to man by putting the Spirit of God back inside man so that He could extend the Father's intimate and redemptive rule through man. Aren't you glad that the Father desires intimacy? So intimate, He wants to live inside of you. Do you not know that you're the temple of the living God? Do you not know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? After the fall, you watch the Spirit of God. He just kept coming closer and closer and closer and closer until He was finally back inside. He took up temporary housing. His Spirit was in temporary housing in the Old Covenant through the Ark of the, the, Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, the temple, so He could be among them. And then Jesus comes and they call him Emmanuel. God is now with us. And then Jesus said, it's better I go away. Once I leave, God will be in you. So he desires intimacy. His rule is an intimate rule. He doesn't live by what he demands. Sorry, he doesn't lead by what he demands. He leads by what he supplies you. You short on love? I am your love. You short on forgiving that coworker? I am your forgiveness. What do we do? Well, we, we hold the coworker over the barrel until they do something good enough that we think in our own mind is righteous enough so we can forgive. Forgiveness doesn't come from your coworker. It comes from the Spirit of God supplying forgiveness to you that you give away. 
Amen. We're always looking to the flesh and other people and situations to determine whether or not we're going to do what our master has taught us to do. And he's taught us to forgive. He's in you. So forgiveness is in you. You don't work up forgiveness. You surrender to it. (laughs) Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful. And who can tell me why his rule is redemptive? Why is the Spirit of God in you redemptive for you? He's life. You're made for Him. Colossians 1, we read it. To redeem means to heighten, to better, to improve. His rule in you is good for you. Because you're made for Him. Remember in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 12, when Jesus said, show me the money. And what did He say? Whose image is on? He really did say that. Whose image is on this coin? And they said Caesar's. And he said, okay, whatever's got Caesar's image on it has to be rendered back to God. But whatever has God's image on it, what? It's got to be given back to God. Once you give yourself back to God, your life is heightened. You are under redemption. And now that you're under redemption, will you give yourself some grace? Will you just back off slandering yourself so much? Because at least your yourself is not perfect yet, but it has been surrendered to the work of the perfect one. Yourself, when you're born again, you have just placed yourself under redemption. So cut yourself some slack. Get to know him. Listen to him. And then learn to do what he says. Amen, somebody. Amen. So what is the kingdom of God? If you eat the word, any of those passages, and I'll give you some on the kingdom. Jesus did not preach the gospel of going to heaven. He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, he talked about the kingdom of heaven was here. So he really preached and announced and enacted just the opposite of what the church has majored on for years. (laughs) He did not preach the gospel of going to heaven when you're dead. He preached the gospel of heaven has come here to rule your heart. Remember why, why did God make the earth? To colonize it with his kids. You heard the term apostle? Apparently, <laughs> the uh, Greeks stole the term, right? The apostle from the Romans. Okay, the Romans stole it. Thank you. And the Roman, when they, when they would conquer a, a village, they wouldn't just destroy it. They'd send a governor in there or an apostle, a sent one, to colonize that village to look like Rome. So Jesus comes into what dispensation? The time of the Romans. To announce that there's a government that's greater than the Romans, a spiritual kingdom, that he wants to enlist some apostles to go recolonize the earth that had forfeited the nature of God to the enemy. And he called them apostles. Guess what you and I are? We're apostles. We're sent ones. So he'll send you. He'll send Cindy into that, into your business that you, you started a couple of years ago. To, to do what? To colonize it. To look like heaven. Not tell everybody when they're dead they can go to heaven. Tell everybody they can have heaven in their business practices. So we're here to change the culture. But what did he supply you with to do it? The governor. The spirit. The Spirit is the governor. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the what will be upon his shoulders? 
the government. So Jesus brought the government of God. This is why he came to bring back the government of God to man by putting the spirit of God back inside man so he could extend the father's intimate redemptive rule through a bunch of sent ones. Woo! Come on, let's give God praise for that. Thank you, Lord. That's powerful. So just look up some scriptures on the kingdom, the gospel that Jesus preached. The Greek word is basileia. B-A-S-I-L-E-A. Listen to what it means in the Strong's and in Bible Hub. The redemptive rule of God in the world and in the hearts of men. Where does Jesus rule? In the hearts of men. It also says that the kingdom, uh, Basileia, is the realm in which a king sovereignly rules. It's the rule of Christ, especially in believers' hearts. And then Steve says he came to restore our day-to-day, heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit, thought-to-thought relationship with God that we lost in the garden. He came to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, immerse you in the Holy Spirit, put you back under the influence of the governor. See, he's got, the kingdom's got to come in you before it can come through you. You can't take the culture of the kingdom to your workplace if the kingdom of the, the culture of the kingdom's not ruling in you. Amen, somebody. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is lording, there is liberty. Is there any liberty in heaven? Is there any love in heaven? Joy? Peace? How many of you think there's forgiveness in heaven? Like, or you think everybody's mad at each other? You think the Baptists and Pentecostals are arguing in heaven? Like you guys were way off. The Methodists and the Lutherans, they're, you know, they're in their own sections. No, love, joy, peace. There's nothing but goodness there. And so what are we supposed to fill the earth with? Heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first explains the second. What is the will of God? His kingdom manifesting. But he needs to manifest in your heart first. Let the king come in you, and then the king will begin to come through you. And he, as the governor, will colonize, culturize. Can you imagine your house, the culture of your living room, the culture of your family dinners can be touched by heaven? I mean, that's a long, far cry from, God, please bless our food. Amen. But King Jesus, we welcome you. Honey, get the children in here. Let's talk to King Jesus. What does he want us to do as a family? Lord Jesus, we welcome you and we welcome the culture of heaven into our living room. Would you govern our relationships? Because when we govern them, we have too much tooth and nail. Everybody say the kingdom. That is the gospel that Jesus preached. So he's here to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. All four Gospels plus Acts chapter 1 say this. John the Baptist baptized with water under repentance. The one who's coming after me will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He came to cleanse God's original temple, you, so that God's Spirit could return inside of you, giving you what? Inward intimacy, first and foremost. You cannot have a relationship with somebody you're afraid of. You can't have a relationship and be intimate. You won't surrender to someone you think will kill you if you say a cuss word. He had to take all your your guilt and your shame and your uh, demonic fear away from you. Perfect love. Walked around, died on the cross for you to remove all fear. This is how I feel about you. Can we be intimate now? 
Because without surrender, life cannot be conceived. I don't want to over-explain this, but do we have married people in here? Without surrender, life cannot be conceived. So, communication fosters relationship. Relationship fosters trust. Trust fosters surrender. And surrender is how life is conceived. You've been born again by an incorruptible seed. Sperma in the Greek, the incorruptible Word of God, the seed of God has been rebirthed on the inside of you. Unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So the spirit sows, the soul of man, our choosing mechanism, our mind, will, our emotions, our, our will. The, the spirit sows, the soul receives, that the body reveals the, that life's been conceived on the inside of it. When people see you, they should see that life has been conceived in you. That there's a whole nother life in you. Can I get a witness? When a woman uh, is pregnant, as she goes along in the pregnancy term, eventually you can see life has been conceived in her. We are the bride of Christ. Where is the life of our husband conceived on the inside of us? So that when people see us, they say, ah, yes, life has been conceived in you. You are different. Why do you love when others hate? Why do you try to overcome uh, evil with good instead of repaying evil for evil like the world does? Why don't you slander our boss like the rest of us? How come you're always praying for him or her? Does that make sense? The spirit sows, the soul receives that the body reveals that life has been conceived. Wow, that's powerful. Acts chapter 2 verse 36 so what, what has happened? Jesus has died. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, verse 7, they say, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they still think the kingdom is a natural kingdom to defeat the Romans. Verse 8, he says, don't pay attention to that. Only the Father knows all that business. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. You will bear witness of me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the most parts of the earth. Verse 9, then he left. So he doesn't leave until his, his mission has been accomplished. And his mission is to get the Holy Ghost to you. The governor. He's got to colonize you so he can colonize the world. Because you've been given dominion on the planet. But the enemy does not like you very much. And he wants you for himself. And I know you think once you get born again, well, okay, he'll leave me alone. Oh, no, he won't. Now the war has really started because he can't have Christ-filled people going around showing Christ to everybody and, and doing what the Father always willed to do, which was colonize the earth with his nature. So that, I mean, can you imagine, can you fathom how radical Jesus' proposition is that's fill the earth to look like heaven? Thy kingdom come. Remember they said, teach us to pray. He said, pray this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's the guy who wrote the, the Isle of Dr. Moreau and the Invisible Man? He wrote all those books. Anybody remember his name? Um, somebody Google it real quick. <laughs> who wrote the Invisible Man or the Isle of Dr. Moreau? He wrote... H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells was a great English historian. He, he was a great author too, but he was really an English historian. He wasn't even a believer, but he read the New Testament. And you know what he said? 
This, this is what he said. This is the greatest proposition ever introduced to mankind. Jesus Christ wanted to change the culture of the earth to look like heaven. He got it. The church is blind to it. But H.G. Wells <laughs> reads through the New Testament is like this was his goal to bring the culture of heaven into the earth. But what's he got to do? He's got to bring it in you first. You got to receive him. Receive him. But brother Steve, I signed a card. I got water baptized. So what? I mean, I'm not against those things, but you must be born again. Look at, look at Acts chapter two. So Jesus tells him in verse nine, verse eight, Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to be in you, upon you. Then he leaves. And then we know Pentecost happens, right? He said, go, go wait in the upper room. Look at verse 36, Peter's preaching. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord Lord and Christ. So there it is, the crucifixion. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? How about that? Sorry, I lost my place. I get excited. Then Peter said, repent and sign this card. We're going to put you, <laughs> we're going to put you on our roll. It's called the Baptist ledger. Or, yeah, I don't <laughs> you see what we did? Peter said, repent. All of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the governor. Jesus is a king. He's got to get the governor in you first. But, you know, we've missed it because we, we thought, well, I'm saved now, so that means I can go to heaven when I'm dead. No, he wants to colonize you, your family, your living room, your workplace, your friendships to look like heaven. How many of you have ever asked him, Lord, please don't ask me to forgive that person? <laughs> we all have probably if you're honest what's his answer 100% of the time forgive forgive yeah you're not going to bargain your way out of that because he wants to culturalize whatever's in heaven oh how about this one and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of God what do keys do give you access I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of, of God and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Most of the scholars say that's a little bit backwards that what he was really saying is whatever is bound on earth, I want you to bind it on heaven. Whatever's loosed, or, oh, sorry, whatever's bound in heaven, uh, bind it on the earth. Whatever's loosed in heaven, loose it on the earth. So pride was bound in heaven. That's why Lucifer was evicted. So everything that's in heaven righteousness, peace, joy, love. That's what he wants loosed on the earth. And so how we do it? He said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of God. I give you access to heaven. I'm going to reconnect you to the vine. Reconnect you to your father. I love that. Romans 14, 17. Did I read all that? No, I didn't. So you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. That's us. We weren't even here yet. As many as the Lord our God would call. That's his mission. That's what he came to do. I mean, there's a lot of things in Scripture, but this is the first one we're talking about. Romans 14, 17 says, uh, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where is the kingdom? 
Where is it? It's in the Holy Spirit. That's how he gets it in you. Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God comes. How does the kingdom of God come? By the Spirit of God. How does the rule of God come to Brian and Gretchen's life? By the Spirit of God. By, Matthew 12, 28, by the Spirit of God, the rule of God comes. Lordship comes. The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Luke chapter 1, verse 33 through 35, the angel's talking to Mary. The king is coming, right? Luke chapter 1. Jesus is not here yet, but he's, it's being declared that he's coming to a virgin. She says, how can this be? How is this going to happen? The king, his kingdom. I hear what you're saying, but I've never known a man. How is this going to happen? And guess what the angel said? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power, dunamis, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, same word, the power of the Most High will out overshadow you. And the one that will come forth out of you will be the Son of God. So if the kingdom came to Mary and was introduced into the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit, if he came then, how does the kingdom come now? Same way, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as churches, we cannot evict the Holy Spirit and His ministry out of church. That would be the dumbest idea in the history of mankind. The kingdom, the rule of God, the lordship of God comes by the Holy Spirit. That's how He came then. He's still coming this way now. As long as there's dis- we're in this dispensation, as long as there's grace, as long as there's opportunity, we've got to get people connected to the vine, connected to the Holy Spirit. Not, not join a church. I'm not, I'm not against any of that, but that is not what He came to do. Not sign a card so you can tell your denomination how many people signed a card. He doesn't care about that. You must be born again by the Holy Spirit. The promise is for all of us. Amen. Many know the gospel of salvation and going to heaven. That is not the gospel Jesus preached. Look at this, Luke 4. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons came out of many of them crying, saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuked them. He didn't allow them to speak for they knew that he was the Christ. Why? Because it's not his time yet. All right. Verse 42. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. I think it's just crazy that Jesus would heal people and then he'd tell them, hey, don't tell anybody. (laughs) Compare that to America. I'll leave that lie. And the crowd sought him and they came to him and they tried to keep him from leaving. These people are smart. Verse 43, but he said to them, I must what? I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. If you're a real follower of Christ, you need to know why he came. And you need to start digging into it. Start digging into scripture. Start figuring out what's the mission of Jesus. Why did he come? I mean, if you're a real Christ follower, What was it I said a few weeks ago? If there's no evidence that you're really a follower of Christ, then you're probably not one. I don't say that to be mean. I say that so you can get born again and become a follower of Christ. But look at this. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because I've been sent here to advance my Father's kingdom in the earth. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went about all the cities, villages, teaching in churches, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He mentioned the word church three times. All in Matthew, he mentioned the word kingdom over 100 times. 
The church was not his central focus. The kingdom is his central focus. But upon his departure, he lit the church. He birthed the church in the upper room by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and disease among the people. Why is he doing that? Because when the kingdom of God is preached, there'll be demonstration of God's power. What is the kingdom in a nutshell? God has more power than the devil. And Jesus shows up with the keys to the kingdom of heaven and he starts plundering. He goes to the strong man's house and plunders his house with righteousness, peace and joy and health over sickness and disease. Matthew 10, verse 7. And as you go, he's talking to the disciples now. As you go, be sent ones. Preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's telling us to do it now. I love it. He tells us, go preach, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. Why? Because receptivity must precede productivity. Yeah. God's dominion has returned. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Joy to the world. Who came? The Lord came. Let earth receive her king. He is a king. The church, we're, we're ambassadors, we're, we're delegates, we're envoys, we're sent ones. We work together. Called out ones is the church, the ecclesia. We're called out of him together to do what? Advance his kingdom in the hearts of people. It's the greatest decision they could ever make. But I love this in the lyrics of that song because he is a king. And he came to rule over the earth. He came to rule here. He's born to be king of the earth. Bear witness of the truth. Look at John 18, 36. Jesus tells Pilate, My kingdom is not of this natural world. If my kingdom were of the natural world, my servants would fight. We'd have tanks and guns. We'd do it all like you guys with swords and spears. We'd kill people so that I wouldn't be delivered. But my kingdom is not from here. Pilate said to him, Well, are you a king? Jesus said, You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born. For this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth and everyone who is of the truth hears my what? Voice. If you're an authentic Christ follower, you know why he came. You also pursue to know his voice. My sheep know my voice and I give unto them eternal life. What is eternal life? According to John 17, 3, you get to know God and know Jesus Christ. So he came to bear witness of the truth We need to be those who are of the truth. He came to deliver the governor back to the earth. I mentioned that. Listen to this. He came to restore your original identity, your relationship with God you had in the Garden of Eden. He came to give you back your original dominion mandate. Right? Genesis 1.28. How about this? He came to restore your original leadership role in the earth. And restore your connection back to heaven. Man did not fall from heaven. Lucifer did. We fell from our leadership position in the earth. So when he came to restore us, he doesn't restore us up here. He restores us right here from where we fell. We fell from our leadership position, our dominion position. To be what? To be expressions of the true nature of God. Because that's why he made the earth, was to colonize it with his kids who look just like him. 
Yeah, born again by an incorruptible seed. First John, uh, that's First Peter one twenty three. First John three nine. Whoever's born of God cannot sin. God has literally put His DNA in your spirit. Your spirit man cannot sin. Now, you can do all kinds of dumb things in your flesh (laughs) and in the soul and with your body, but your spirit cannot sin. That's how righteous and pure you are on the inside. Jesus came to restore your actual identity. I think by the Spirit of the living God, it's time we rediscover why we're really here. Why are we here? It's not here to forfeit America to the devil. America may go the way of the devil, but that's okay. That's okay. We're going to do what we're here to do. No matter what America does. I've mentioned it before. They, they throw us all in prison. We'll have a great prison ministry. And the people of the, the rest of the country will be trying to get into prison because that's where the Spirit of God is or His people. It's all about Perspective. So what does it mean to be a disciple? Gavin, you guys can come. What does it mean to disciple others? Many Christians have never really invested in someone else for the purpose of connecting them to Jesus. But the Lord is asking us to be intimate with Him, commit to know His person, know His work, know His voice, all those things, so that as His ambassadors, we can help introduce Him to other people. But most Christians in America don't know what it is to disciple someone else and to walk with them for a period of time till they get acclimated to the Lord's voice. But that's what he's asking us to do. And he said, Steve, in 2020, or sorry, in 2021, we must move from shallow Christianity into deep, mature relationship with the living God. And he said, it is a good thing when you begin to lay your life down for others because otherwise you'll be stuck in perpetual religious self-improvement. And we don't want to be stuck there. Amen. Perpetual religious self-improvement. Always working on us, always about us, always consuming. It's good to begin to lay our life down for other people. I know we don't have all the answers, but we do carry the answer and it's him. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to walk with Him. Stand to your feet with me. Look at that, 1029. (laughs) You got a word? Can I have a mic for Clay? Thank you. Yeah, come up here, buddy. Testing one, two. So this morning I was in Matthew 12 and, was, and Jesus is, was talking to the Pharisees and he was telling them, I tell you, one that's greater than the temple is here. For if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Okay. And that stuck out. But he wanted me to go to Hosea 6, 6 to read that because there's something there that's not here so in Hosea this is where Jesus pulls this from he says for I desire mercy not sacrifice and acknowledgement of God and that's the key phrase that's the key phrase 
His desires is for mercy and for you to, to acknowledge the work God's doing. And join in with that. Acknowledge God for who He is. What He's doing. Where He's going and where He's taking you. Hmm. That's His desire. Sacrifices and burnt offerings have their places. There's things that He wants you to, to give up in your life. And there's things He wants you to take to the fire and destroy. Hmm. Okay, He's going to work on those things. Hmm. But out the gate out the gate his desire is for you to show mercy and his desire is for you to show mercy through Christ so people will acknowledge God through your actions hmm. amen thank you I think you know even what I hear in that not just the acknowledgement of God from others but uh, let's just bow our heads close our eyes I also hear in that that faith is also the acknowledgement of God. And I feel like there's some young people, especially here this morning, that you have warred in your faith. But all he's asking you to do is recognize the acknowledgement of his existence and the acknowledgement of His work that He desires to do in your heart. Yes, that means that shifts will come and changes will come. But I think the first thing for these young people is He wants to establish faith in your heart. That you acknowledge that He is God and that you desire to know Him. That young people, that is called faith. And what that begins is, that's just the beginning of your receptivity that I'm going to live every day with the acknowledgement that God is real and He's an active part of my life. And that receptivity will produce God's activity in your heart and life. Oh my goodness, taste and see, young people, that the Lord is good. But that taste, that initial step of faith is the acknowledgement. With that, if, you, if you're here this morning, anyone is here and you've never been born again. You've never received the governor, the reason that Jesus came, the gift of the Holy Spirit that is the new birth of His Spirit placed inside your heart there to lead and Lord and life you. If you've never received Him and you say, Brother Steve, that's me. I want to know Christ. I want to receive Him this morning. Would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me? Anyone. If you're here this morning and you would say, Brother Steve, I want Jesus to be Lord of my heart. I really do. I am hearing with clarity the word of the Lord that he wants to be laid as the foundation of my personal life, my home and family, my church, all of those things. And I want his spirit to be Lord of my choices and Lord of my heart. Uh, if that's you, would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you this morning? Amen. Father, I thank you this morning for those that have surrendered right now to your Lordship. And that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, you would fill them fresh. That you would awaken once again the life of the Spirit on the inside of them. And they would come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Out of the influence of the world. Under the influence of your Spirit, Lord. 
I hear the Lord say, where sin is abounded, my grace does that much more abound for you. My spirit of grace, my spirit of truth rests upon you and in you this day. And I thank you, Lord, that we surrender fully now to your work. We do it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise this morning. Amen. I want to say it again. If you eat the word, it's tonight at 630. If you're not able to come, please pray. Our whole mission here is connect people to the vine of Jesus. Get them hearing his voice, living and walking by the spirit. If you have any questions, we'll meet you at the front. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Let's go put him on display. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.